The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, after watching his dad recover from alcoholism and eventually start a program to help others called Celebrate Recovery, Johnny Baker thought he would not repeat the mistakes of his dad that led to his addiction. But then I decided, you know, I think I've learned from him and I know how to avoid the trap of alcoholism. I'll be able to control it. And so I began to, to drink and do things. And, and then sure enough, I got caught up in it as well. In December of 1999, I was arrested for a DUI. That word freedom, listen, you know, if you've ever not been free, freedom is pretty special. Ask, ask somebody gets out of jail. <laughs> ask anybody that's ever been addicted or hooked or, or beat down or really freed from depression Absolutely. and heartache and just hurt and bitterness. Uh, the road to freedom. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to life today. And Johnny Baker is a pastor, national director of Celebrate Recovery. And actually his dad, Johnny Baker, launched Celebrate Recovery, and it ends up his kid needs recovery. <laughs> I mean, the kid's in the mess. And uh, he needed healing from his hurts, his hangups, and his habits. And by the way, it's the kid that wrote this book. <laughs> and he is now the national director of this uh, freedom ministry that the freedom leaders kid needed. <laughs> And you need to hear the story. So would you welcome Johnny Baker to Life Today. Johnny, good to see you, buddy. All right, now you out at a little struggling church out there, Saddleback out there where Rick Warren is, right? Small little place, yeah. <laughs> well, you give my love and regards yeah. to the family. Sure they are a great couple, and I know they've had heartache big time, too, mm -hmm. like all of us do, especially those of us who've lost a child. All right, now here Dad has started a, a ministry, Celebrate Recovery, which is a, getting people set free from all sorts of addiction. I mean, it was, it was as though he took the positives of Alcoholic Anonymous because he, he was an alcoholic. Right. And he saw the positives, but it was almost like he added some things to it that made it so much more effective. And of course, that was the power of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, I want you to just tell us how it is that, that you, you know, with you, well, you saw his life right. before and after, I'm sure. But tell us about your journey. Yeah, so you, like you said, my parents started Celebrate Recovery in 1991 at our church, Saddleback. And it was after they'd been separated for 13 months. And uh, my mom said either get counseling or get out, and he left. And uh, after going through AA himself and finding sobriety, he uh, came back and they began to restore their marriage. And in that process, he did something that's part of recovery. He made his amends to us. And it was the first time he ever said sorry without excusing or, or trying to tell me how it was gonna be different. He just said, I'm sorry for the damage I've done to our family. And that was when I realized he was different, but then he did something really different. He said, can I come to church with you? Mm -hmm. See, we had stopped asking him to go to church and we had started going to Saddleback and he wanted to come with us. And he had that experience that a lot of people have when they hear Pastor Rick speak. He felt
felt like he was speaking right to him. And after a while of going to church there, he looked around our church and he said, there's got to be more people like me and our family who are struggling with an issue. And so he sat down and he wrote Pastor Rick a short 13-page single-space letter. <laughs> now, I say he wrote, but as the two of you doing ministry together, you know he dictated, she <laughs> typed, and uh, they sent it to Pastor Rick knowing that Rick would find the right person to do this ministry. About a week later, he found himself in his office and Pastor Rick said, great, John, do it. And Celebrate Recovery was born. Wow. But it was really for our family and people like us at our church. And then God has taken it and turned it into this ministry that's in 30,000 churches all over the world. And I went through it as a teenager uh, I was the first leader of the teenagers group, which we should have just called complain about your parents because that's all we did. <laughs> and, uh, and I went through it as a child of an alcoholic. Years later, I, I walked away from the church. I'd walked away from Celebrate Recovery. I'd watched them do it and thought it was really their thing. But then I decided, you know, I think I've learned from him and I know how to avoid the trap of alcoholism. I'll be able to control it. And so I began to, to drink and do things. And, and then sure enough, I got caught up in it as well. In December of 1999, I was arrested for a DUI. And I wish that I could say that was the beginning of my recovery journey, but it wasn't. It took an, another few years until actually my wife got pregnant with our oldest daughter. And I, I thought about becoming a dad and I thought, you know, I don't want to bring alcoholism into my family the way it was for me when I was a kid. And so that's when I called my dad and I said, I don't know how to stop drinking, but I know I need help. Mm -hmm. And I began attending Celebrate Recovery for my alcoholism and my life was changed again. So you actually went into the ministry mm -hmm. that, that your dad had started and, and found the help. Yeah. Now, how long did you just stay in the growth process before suddenly you found yourself going into a leadership role? It was about a year that I was just in the recovery program just for me where I was able to focus on, on just that. And then I felt called into ministry. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget, I was driving down this toll road in California and uh, I felt God say that he wanted me to get into ministry. So I turned the radio off because I figured his voice was coming through the radio uh, and, and that didn't work. And so uh, I began seeking out different ministry opportunities and, and door after door after door was just shut in my face until eventually my dad said, hey, if you're willing to do some of the things you're thinking about doing, would you ever think about coming to work at Celebrate Recovery? See, we both wanted it, but we both wanted it to be the other person's idea. And so when he invited me to come along, then I started uh, working, uh, answering phones and emails and, and learning the, the ministry from a different area. And then surely, uh, slowly but surely began stepping into more and more roles. So what, what do you do now? Do you travel or do you stay primarily there or you go and try to help other churches and other groups set it up? Yeah, we do both. So we have our program that meets at Saddleback every Friday night, 52 weeks a year. Even if that Friday night is Christmas, we're going to have Celebrate Recovery. Uh, and I run that ministry. But we also do about 15 what we call one-day training conferences all around the country. And then we do uh, summits twice a year as well where we have a few thousand people come to two different Events. When you wrote this book, Betty, here's some things that he did. It's amazing, the uh, 10 life lessons. But I think this one right here is a biggie. Would you? You'll have to read it for me. Yeah, you, no glasses. <laughs> well, this is really a biggie, Betty. <laughs> you got to admit you have a problem. You just did. <laughs> Admitting you have a problem does not make you weak. Right. 
it all starts there. That's the beginning of recovery. We, we call it coming out of denial. But so many people are afraid to admit that their life is a mess, and so it keeps them stuck because they're told that strong people, they pull themselves up by the boot, their bootstraps. Strong people are, are self-starters. They're able just to get over it. Just stop doing what you're doing. But admitting you have a problem, it actually doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong because it's saying it actually gives God the power to come in and help you where you couldn't help yourself. And you're saying admit it. That sounds like there's somebody else involved. It's like you're going ahead and sharing it with somebody else. Well, sure. It starts with admitting to ourselves, actually. We have to, we have to look in the mirror and say, you have a problem. The person yeah. here is the person that has the problem. And it's funny because we'll do a lot to keep ourselves from knowing or from admitting that we have problems. We'll rationalize, we'll justify. Well, you know, she didn't nag me or it's not as bad as him or I only have a few drinks after work or, or whatever that issue is, we can justify it. But when we finally admit to ourselves, we can admit to ourselves and then we admit it to God and then we can admit it to somebody else. You know, the Bible says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that's such a huge part of it because if I just keep it to me and God, then I, I can be forgiven. But if I want healing, I've got to bring somebody else into it. I think that's probably one of the greatest needs. And the enemy has made us afraid to confide in one another. Yep. We don't find the, the sense of trust. And, and really, too sad to say, but true, it's justifiable that a lot of people feel that way because then when they share their weaknesses, somebody else may spread it around. It becomes gossip. It becomes damage. Right. And it just seems like that there's that tendency. Now you got social media, so it can just go like a wildfire. And it, it's, it's, you know, I feel like where you, where you, what you're doing and what you're trying to do when you inspire other churches to do it, you're trying to create a safe place for someone to go not only admit to themselves I got a problem, but I can admit to you I got a problem. Right. And I'm, if I'm going to be in the arms of Jesus and Jesus is in you, then you're going to put your arms around me and help me. I think we've got to say that. I mean, we've got to say that loud and clearly and in a trustworthy manner to others. Yeah. But, you know, the leading preachers, leading, uh, uh, say, individuals over the years have felt safe coming to me and bearing their soul. Why? Right. They believe they can trust me right. with their life and their soul, and they can't. Right. And I've watched people get totally free, right. but they needed somebody they could trust. They shouldn't have to come to me because I'm visible or they think I'm one of the few people you can trust. Right. You ought to be able to trust people sitting all around you. Right. You ought to be able to trust people in the church family. Yeah. Isn't that what Celebrate Recovery tries to teach people? to become that in yeah. your own situation? It really does. And, and to go even a step further, not just being a safe person to receive information, but to share your information with someone else as well. You know, uh, as somebody who struggles with alcoholism, you may not relate to that, but there are other things in your life that, that you probably feel are, are issues that you'd like to overcome. Or, or if you sit down and they, somebody starts telling you about something, you might think, you know, I don't relate 100% to what they're saying, but I've got pain in my own life or I've got issues in my own life that I'd like to overcome or I've had places where God has walked in and set me free. So I know what that's like. And so not just being safe to hear, but also safe to say, hey, Johnny, I struggle with that too. Or I struggle sure. with similar things well, as well. This is not just people that have visible problems. These are people in the church a lot of the times right. that are dealing with, with things deep down. I dealt with fear. I was so afraid right. my, uh, half of my life, you yeah. know, and until I realized I didn't have to live with that. Right. And I was a I was in the church, right. deep in the church. Yeah. You know? one, one thing I talk about in the book is that people are in pain all around us. Mm -hmm. 
but not everybody wears their pain on their sleeve. Some people, it's really easy to tell. Oh, I can tell what that person's in pain about. But other people, like you said, they're sitting in our pews right next to us, and we have no idea the pain that they're going through. And one thing I love about Celebrate Recovery is that it's not just for people with chemical addiction issues. About a third of the people who come to CR come for drug or alcohol issues. The rest come for a wide variety of other things. And so it doesn't matter what is hurting you or what's going on in your life, you can find a safe place and safe people, to your point, in Celebrate Recovery, who again, may not ex understand everything that you're going through, but they're gonna say, hey, you're safe here, you're welcome here, and let's figure this out together. Now, covering up problems, since you can't read this, I'm gonna, <laughs> this is number two, covering up problems always makes them worse, hiding it. Yep covering it. Yeah. Like why? Why does it make it worse? Well, it's the other side of admitting you have a problem doesn't make you weak. Those two lessons work together. So when I cover up a problem, it might feel like I'm solving it, but really I'm just postponing the inevitable. And I believe that God's going to allow pain to increase in our lives until we finally do what we need to do, which is turn to him and allow him to help us. And, and often pain is God's megaphone, right? Where he's saying, hey, there's something I want you to pay attention to. When I try to cover it up and make it go away, it just gets worse and worse and worse. When I turn it to him is when I can find freedom from that problem. And when you share it and, and don't cover it anymore, doesn't mean that you necessarily shout it to the whole church. No. There are a lot of problems that need to be kept in the council setting. Yep. And not and what the true confessions magazines of the world secular press is. Tell us all the details of all your miserable failures right. and we'll write a whole book about this <laughs> encounter. That is not what God talks about in the confession. So when you're you're not covering it, you're uncovering it for God to cover it with his grace. Mm -hmm. But you don't necessarily shout everything from the housetops. You your your tenth point here is there is no one God doesn't love, won't forgive, or can't change. Uh, Sheila Walsh makes a great statement. When you know something's bad, that's one thing, no, that's bad. But then when you hear the enemy say, you're bad, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. bad, mm -hmm. that's when you tend to not reach out for help. Yeah. So you need to hear that first part. There's no one God doesn't love. No matter what we've done, he loves us and he loves us perfectly. He right. loves us compassionately. He loves us redemptively, mm -hmm. like, the, like the father of the prodigal right. who was waiting to cover the kid yeah. with a great robe, mm -hmm. to put sandals on his feet, to have a feast, a, a joyful time, because even though you made a mess, right. I love you and I want to cover you. Yeah. That, that is the God people need to realize is waiting for them. It sure is. And I think so many people who need to know about the road to freedom, who need to know about Celebrate Recovery, they don't believe that God loves them. They believe that what they've done has disqualified them from God's love, that what's been done to them has disqualified them from God's love. Maybe the enemy has told them, maybe another person has told them. I've, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to have, have been told by a parent or somebody that should have been speaking truth and love into them has been saying, you're not worth anything, you'll never be worth anything, and no one will ever love you. And I think to hear that message that there's no one that God doesn't love, that there's nothing you could have done or you'll ever do that will separate you from God's love, it's it's so important, and it's why it's the last lesson. Because to me, if if 
if you hear nothing else, that's what I want people to hear, that no matter what's going on in their lives, that God loves them, that he forgives them, and he can help them change. Because that's the other piece. People say, Johnny, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. It's impossible for me to change. And I can't tell you how many nights I used to spend as the, night, as the room would spin around me, and I'd say, God, please help me change. But the problem was I woke up in the morning with choices, and I woke up in the morning deciding what I was going to do that day. But Night after night, I thought, God, I'm never going to change. I'm never going to change. And it's been 15 years, and God has set me free. But he did it one day at a time after one day at a time, and one choice at a, at a time after That's one good. choice at a time. And I think, so there may be somebody watching this who's, who's saying, you know, God isn't going to love me. God's never going to forgive me for what I've done, and he can't change me. And, and my, my heart of hearts wants to say that there's no one who escapes God's love. There's no one that Christ didn't die for. And no matter what you've done, God can and will change you if you submit to the process. And Johnny, that's why you're here, for the people who are watching us right now on television, not only the ones here in the audience, but wherever you are right now, if you just admit, I, I, have, a, I have a need, mm -hmm. there's no one needing to tell you, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Mm -hmm. You already feel that way. Mm -hmm. But Jesus took the shame. He took the blame. He took the guilt. Jesus did all of that for you. And he wants to give you life right where you are. If I was sitting right there in the room with you right now, I would simply say, would you just ask him to cover you with his grace, to cleanse you from all that's unrighteous and not right, to forgive your sin? Would you ask him to do that? Would you ask him to break the yoke, the chains that bind? And Lord, would you set me free? I join with you in that prayer. Father, let many people right now find freedom right where they are. They may be in a public place. They might be in a bar, a hotel or motel room or at home. Doesn't matter. Lord, right where they are, would you break that yoke? Would you begin this process of recovery and freedom that they can ultimately celebrate? This is the day, right now the moment, they make the choice. They choose this day to serve you and to be set free in Jesus' name. If you want someone to pray with you, you see the phone number there? It's paid for by love. Some will be glad to pray with you. You know, Johnny, you uh, are a blessing. Would you say thanks to Johnny Baker? <laughs> you can get the book on Amazon. You can get it in the bookstores. Johnny, our, our viewers, I think, are some of the most wonderful people on the planet. When they see a need mm -hmm. that they can meet, mm -hmm. it's like their hearts leap to meet it. I mean, it's like they say, show me an opportunity. Show me a need. Yeah and I'll meet it. Well, I'm going to show you a need. And here's the thing you've got to understand, please. You are the answer to the need you're about to see. And you can be the perfect answer right now. Would you please not turn away? But would you look and just listen to the Father's voice and extend His hands? I believe you will. I think you're going to want to, and you're going to be someone's miracle. Watch closely. 
kubula wati kwa tuwa nandati. Nikisi wapiletela. Victoria's oldest son was buried yesterday. The loss, fresh and weighing heavy, but still hard to believe. The lack of food in Victoria's village has made malnutrition a constant companion, creating a burden too heavy to bear. <laughs> Victoria and her husband work hard producing charcoal for wages. But when combined with failing crops, their limited resources can't sustain the health of their children. Weakened and malnourished, their immune systems falter and allow minor illnesses to turn deadly. The burden Victoria bears is one expressed by so many mothers in this area of Southern Africa. Their lack of resources has created a collective hopelessness. But we know when we join together in response, we can introduce a new hope and health. There's nothing more beautiful, Betty, than to watch a mother holding a little child. I, uh, wherever I watch mothers with children, it touches my heart because it's so beautiful. And we watch that mother there, and she's too weak. And the child is sick. The losses are great. As a mother and a grandmother, now a great-grandmother, what goes on inside your heart when you look at that precious mother and you see those beautiful little children? As I listen to that sweet mother that loves her babies more than she loves life itself. Her babies are all she has. And she'll go out every day tired and worn out, like she said, but she'll search every day for just a morsel to keep her babies alive. We can make that difference. These babies don't have to die before their time. This mother doesn't have to lose the only thing that she has is her children. Please join with us. Let's get the food to them. It can save their lives and they can be productive. Children grow up. We've seen some of them later on. They grow up and they're safe and they're, they're smart and they've learned and we can just make the difference in it. So please join with us right now. Let's get the food to the babies. You know, we've, uh, this is an incredible statement of gratitude to God and to you, but we have saved lives of now right at 15 million children and their families. That's not an exaggeration. But, but here's, here's the thing you need to understand. It, it was one child at a time, three children, five children, 10 children, that somebody said, I'm gonna be the miracle. That's not an overstatement. 
you become the miracle that gives life for those children and their families. It changes everything. And it's so easy to get them to hear about the love of God that you've just demonstrated, which is why they respond to the gospel. I want to see the whole continent of Africa healed. I want to see amazing grace poured out all over it. And those people learn what it is to live free and fruitful and productive. But it all starts one life at a time. Would you right now dial that phone number that's there as a prayer line for you? Or would you go online and take your bank card? And would you make the gift God puts on your heart? Now listen, listen to what, what it takes. Listen to the miracle. 30, 50, $100, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next month. That's not total childcare. That's nutritious food to get them totally stabilized and healthy. And it absolutely works. So if you will right now, write a check, make it to life, that's what you're giving. Or take your bank card, go online, or dial the number and make the gift God puts on your heart. We have some gifts to send you to say thank you. They're gonna be a real blessing to you. But you're being the greatest blessing because you're sharing the greatest gift. You're sharing life. And then the life of Christ will be presented because you have demonstrated the life and love of Christ. You become the miracle. Thank you so much for doing it. Please go get your card. Dial the number and make the gift God leads you to make. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great. And without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. Through Life's Mission Feeding Outreach, you can save lives by feeding and caring for children currently suffering in parts of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need your support to replenish food supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Death-Defying Faith, The Extraordinary Life of Miracle Man Peter Pretorius. This autobiography, completed just days before his unexpected death, chronicles the thrill-seeking adventures of missionary Peter Pretorius. You will love reading how God took this ordinary man and performed extraordinary miracles throughout all of Africa. With your gift of $100 or more, request the beautiful Faith and Hope pen set, two beautifully crafted pens featuring the keywords of Hebrews 11.1, a key verse for every believer, especially when facing adversity, trials, and challenges. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, we're going to send you Peter Pretorius's book to say thank you. You know, the beautiful uh, Faith and Hope pins, the life pins, they are, I tell you what, they're beautiful. I mean, they just, they just really, really are. And uh, the, the Bridge of uh, Faith, beautiful painting. But if you'd like to have the road to uh, freedom, you say, James, if we help some of those kids and give them food, would you mind sending me some of that food that I think's in that book for me, you better believe it will. All you do is ask for it. I do hope you'll tell your friends to consider getting it and let them know about it. And uh, you pray for the uh, Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Would you join Betty and me in saying thanks to Johnny Baker. Johnny, thanks for being here. Thank all of you for being here. Thank you for watching.
Thank you so much for caring about it. For being someone's miracle. She said, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but your son is not compatible with life. Sheila Walsh, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.